Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. And on the phone, uh, we have our dear friend. He's a semi-regular on the show, Michael Veck. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, Dave. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Thanks for joining us. I know it's an hour later where you're at. So, um, you know, we always like to play Prince when you're on the show because of your affiliation with the um, St. Paul Saints. I was thinking a lot about you this week. Um, I, I went to the Sox-Cleveland game, and, of course, you, your family has history with both those teams. And um, I saw the uh, – I want to tell the listeners about your little championship parade you had up there in, in St. Paul. And then I want to talk about Satchel Paige, which is all, who also was in the news this week. But talk about uh, how things went this year in St. Paul, and I think what you guys did with the uh, the one-block championship parade was, was pretty neat. Well, you know, the um, um, the fact of the matter is is that with the PBA, the Professional Baseball Agreement, coming up, um, I think that independent baseball is going to be certainly a, a quiet seat at the table, um, if not actually represented. And so, you know, 28 years ago, we started this called the Northern League, then the American Association. Miles Wolf had the idea, and it's grown um, into a really terrific league and and part of a group of leagues kind of loosely affiliated called independent which simply means for your listeners that we don't own any allegiance to the uh um to the commissioner's office so george samus who uh spent some time with the twins i'm emphasizing a little time with the twins <laughs> uh, was playing with as my dad used to say three clubs one coming one going and one actually on the field and uh, he put together a group of guys that absolutely refused. They, they couldn't beat you on paper. They just ended up like Kevin Millar. You know, they just found a way to beat you. And so we win the championship. And understanding that 10 miles away, the Minnesota Twins are playing, you know, Major League Baseball, you can't very well stand and tell people, hey, we're playing the greatest baseball in the world. And you have to know your place. Because we've sold, uh, I don't know, 100% of our tickets for the last 28 years. And the reason we have is because we understand the pecking order. So we decided to have a parade to honor our champions. It was our fifth championship um, since the Saints have been um, rebirthed, if you will. And we had a, a parade that was a block long. So it shows that we know our place. We understand in the pecking order that this might not be a big deal. And the fans turned out, and we had a howl. It was just a really wonderful one-block parade, which is just about what it takes to get a parade started. You know, there's room for four cars. It was appropriate. <laughs> that, I mean, that is, that's why I love you. The, that's the VEC DNA. I mean, your dad always talked about incongruity, but the incongruity is what makes stuff like that tick, isn't it? You know, it's, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, people really get carried away. It's never knowing quite what to expect. And, of course, when you make an announcement and say we're going to have a parade, everybody's like, well, you know, you're certainly not going to come through, um, you know, Thunder Canyon and uh, 2 million people. So what are you going to do? Well, you have one that takes approximately 38 seconds from start to finish and makes people smile in a time when, when you know, laughter and, and joy are they're hard to come by right now. So people had a lot of fun with it. And uh, we lost five players over the course of the uh, of the season to major league organizations, which is really what independent baseball is all about. That and a little of the old man's incongruity. Yeah. You know, um, 
seven straight years of declining attendance in Major League Baseball. Um, does does Major League Baseball pay any attention to to what's happening at the grassroots level? And I, I brought something in here because uh, you have flirted with Tampa Bay and Detroit, and uh, there was a quote you said, "Oh, here comes the minor league guy," and you said you would get a little uppity once in a while and say, "Yeah, we've done over ninety percent occupancy in St. Paul for twenty five years." Now check this out, based on just being nice to people, it really isn't such a earth shattering concept. You know what? What can indif- what can the major leagues learn from what you guys are doing? The the, the um, I remember years ago when David Stern um, and I were having a conversation about about the back then the NBDL the you know the developmental league for the NBA and he said to me Mike we can get by just using the NBA name and I said. David, if you really want to be successful, what you do is you go to the hinterlands to minor league baseball teams and find men and women who work 16-hour days because they love it, and you'll find some of the best promoters. And so the first thing Major League Baseball has to do is look at the people who are running their systems throughout their operation. You have to make the um, players accessible. That's the biggest problem. Um, with Major League Baseball right now, you, you know, there aren't any nicknames because everybody's too cool. And I guess that makes me a, a dinosaur, and I'm good with that. But the one thing that you do have to realize is that players, if they're going to become heroes to kids, need to be accessible. And that's one of the things that Minor League Baseball um, you know, really, really does well. Not that we don't have our own warts and, and try to behave once in a while um, like our major league brethren, but you just have to be accessible. And once you do that, it's amazing how, you know, the duration of the game, you have to make things more interesting. People come to see a Saints game because they don't know what's going to happen. And, and I'm not a by someone saying, hey, I went to a, a Saints game. It was like a street festival, and by the way, a baseball game broke out. You know, get over yourself. People need to be entertained and fed. Their souls need to be fed. And, and, and I think you do that simply by emphasizing customer service, making it entertaining, and make sure something's always happening because, you know, the game isn't always the most interesting thing going on. There was a New York Times story this week about uh, the women who knit at baseball games. You know, I mean, and I guess. I I, <laughs> you know, you've been to the park in Charleston, yeah. and you remember that view of the Ashley yeah. River, right? You yeah. look right over. I sold eight tickets when I first got here, and so that must have been, we opened in 96, 97, to a group of women who sat in the very back row and did it. The very back row is important because the breeze coming off the Ashley River was wonderful. And they would sit up there and knit. And I asked them one time, are you guys going to renew? And they said, oh, yes, we love this. And I said, how do you think we did this year? And they said, what do you mean, how would you do? I said, well, you know, what, there was a couple of ball games going on while you were sitting here. Oh, I'm sure that's true, Mike. You're so funny. The fact is, is that people ultimately will pay attention to whatever you want if you get them in under any particular reason. And so I just thought that was the most wonderful thing it gave me. Here's what baseball has, and Dave, and you're the king of this. Is I walk into a joint the other night, and there's a guy, one of my daughter's uh, doctors, Rebecca's doctor, 
is a is a fellow by the name of Kevin Harmon, and his father I'd never met for the first time. He's from Cincinnati, and so Don Harmon and I have this conversation, and I'm going to show him how smart I am. I said, Harvey Haddix was the youngest guy to play. He looked at me and he smiled, and he said, that would be Joe Nuxall, Mr. Beck. And I looked at him, and, of course, we looked it up, and he, of course, was right. I shot off my mouth. and I, We have this unspoken language, this wonderful, the statistics that connect generation after generation of people that you don't know. Who cares what reason they come in for? Yeah. It's it's entertaining them once they come there. So okay, we got we got to take a break. Lot. We got to take a break for some spots and come back. And I, I want to talk a little bit about Chicago and a little bit about Satchel Page. So you got a few more minutes with us, Michael? Absolutely. Okay. Thanks. Away. Don't go. Don't go away. On Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Never stay Happy anniversary So I think I need a new Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN AM 720. We're on the phone with the next commissioner of baseball, Mike Vec. How you doing, Michael? <laughs> well, you know the last time I saw you, Dave? Do you remember the last time I saw you? It's Was it in St. Paul? No, it was at Jazz Fest. And oh, we that's right. I was really sick. Kind of yeah. <laughs> making our way. You were really sick, yeah. which I am today, and we were making our way both to see John Rivers perform. That's, that was a terrific show, wasn't it? That's right. Then I went back to my camper van and collapsed. Yeah, I had, I had like bronchitis or pneumonia or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that was the last time. I love a man well-traveled. And Sorry, just, anyhow. Yeah, it just bumped into you. Um so the news um, up here, everybody's talking about Joe Madden. I, you might get bounced tonight. There's all this talk about them having a meeting after the game in St. Louis. And I want to I read something our friend, he's been on the show, our friend just does a great job of covering Major League Baseball uh, for the Tribune, uh, Paul Sullivan. And he was talking about how if this happens, Chicago will uh, lose a uni- unique voice. And here's this is why I wanted to uh, get your uh, reaction to this. He goes, this is what Paul wrote, I believe it's for tomorrow's paper. This city embraces rebels, nonconformists, and nutjobs, whether it's Jim McMahon, John Belushi, or Dennis Rodman. I would add the Vec family. If you can do your job at a high level and make us laugh at the same time, you're good for life. What is it about Chicago? I mean, you guys are Chicago legends. What is it about Chicago, why people react like that? I, I think it's, it's, it's the city that works. I think we have a working um, man and woman's ethic. Um, I think we are very open. I think we like people who are plain spoken, if you will. And so, I, you know, I really, I admire Joe Madden. I believe it's a huge mistake. He'll be employed in about 20 minutes um, if they drop the hammer on him. And I would only point out to how did it work for the White Sox when they got rid of Harry Carey? How yeah. was that? How did that work out for him? So I, I just think that I, I'm. I think they took a take a long look. He's a character out of a out of the great Chicago, um, you know, history book. I mean, this is a guy who, if he doesn't talk to the baseball, I'll, uh, you know, what's his name in '76 with Detroit. He, he's got his own way of doing things, and it's worked. I, I say he stays, and and if he goes, it helps the White Stockings in terms of the PR move. 
baseball, I mean, baseball needs big personalities, and, and Joe is one of those, you know. And I, I the yeah. reporters have to love covering him. He's always good for quotes, and you know. Well, I mean, and and not only that, but but the fans like, you know, I, you were reading his remarks for the last two or three. He's like, I keep them loose. I'm staying loose myself. I have fun with it. We've had fun, you know, and 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 the, so they didn't win it. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that he's, he's done an unbelievable job the last four and a half I mean, let's face it. Look at what he's done. Have How you, many guys are there one more games? What, five or four? Yeah. Have you crossed? Have you crossed? You must have crossed paths with him somewhere, right? Were you? Well, yeah. And he was, he was, um, um, you know, really legendary coming out of, uh, out of Tampa Bay. And that granted he was there after, but, uh. People love working with him. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that when he um, um, is in town and, and, and the Cubbies are off, he stops across it, goes over to watch the White Sox and stops and sees Bertucci and visits LaRusa and those guys. He's just a class act. He's a good guy, and, and he's a great ambassador for the game. So, you know, when he hangs it up, and he's still going to get another managerial job. I mean, there'll be three people begging him. I, I Look at the, you know, at the guys lining up. I think, yeah, right. so it'll be an interesting meeting. You're very modest. I, I always want you to plug this book. Um, I found it up in St. Paul when I went and saw you. Um, I, I don't know if it's still available. If it is, you can tell people how to find it. I always it's keep, I keep it right on my desk. Another boring derivative piece of crap business book. But I just every time I just pull to a different page, and this is this is what we're doing. Page one sixty six. If it makes you laugh, it could be a revenue generator. Instead of dismissing what's funny, find a way to use it to grow your business. So talk, is that book still available, and how can people find it? It's for the business world, not for the sports world so much. Yeah, you know, it's um, you can find it on uh, Amazon.com, or you can go to fumblesgoodteam.net uh, um, and and pick up a copy. But, but basically, it comes down to the idea that that every great idea is born usually from a bad idea and a a terrible idea. And so once you kind of figure out how to to rub the edges off and, and make it more acceptable, people say no all the time. It's the basis of improv. You know, you keep saying and, and you keep saying, but there's no such thing as no. And, and the thing that kills us all, we get up in the morning, we go into the boss's office, and we go, I have a great idea for how to revolutionize our business and make it more efficient for our customers. And no, that kills it. Explain mm-hmm. yourself. And promotions are, are the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, is that what you a little bit you do I know you've been speaking a lot I mean do you go and speak to uh, companies and do you do that in the off season um, fun yeah, is good it's been, team. A, it's been an interesting it's, it's really been interesting because you know in 2005 I wrote this this silly little book called fun is good and you know I was pleased with the sales I mean for me it, it was a terrific opportunity to vent a little bit but then the, then the recession hit um, and and from 2010 on, I've sold almost two times the amount of books because who would ever think that today fun is in shorter supply um, than it was when we wrote it? And, and I, they're simple little things 
you just say hello to people um, when you're when you're in the office and and when you're on the phone. Um, you think about the number of people who don't bother to look up. Yeah, <laughs> they're so busy, you know, playing their fantasy football that they don't that they don't speak. And so it's just a collection of things you can do, eight or ten that don't cost you a nickel that can revolutionize the way your business works, and it ends up with fewer sick days with more productive people. People want to be part of something desperately, but they want to be part of something they can be proud of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't want to be part of firing Joe Madden. Yeah, yeah. Connection and community are are really really important right now to make those connections. Yeah, and and it's amazing that, that it's taking the kids from Silicon Valley and the tech to point out to make people comfortable they're more productive. You know, I, I think it's I think it's great what the millennials have have brought to the workplace because they sit down and interview you. They go, yeah, okay, you've got a position open, but what do you do with your profits? And what are you going to do for my career? You know, I wish I'd had the chutzpah to say that, but that's always what is in the back of everyone's mind. And now the kids are saying it. I'm all for it. Uh, last thing before we let you, uh, you did you go? Uh, you were, uh, you how the hurricane affect you down there in in Charleston? You know something, Dave. It's so funny. It's the first one. Uh, my wife Libby and I, we've gone through Andrew um, with Night Train, our, our son, and yeah. with Rebecca, our daughter, and we rode this one out, and it was the scariest. We, we stayed in Charleston, um, downtown at Rebecca's house, which is eight feet above sea level, and it blew for 12 hours, solid. And um, it, it was <laughs> – hey, I know there's nothing to this global warming, but, hey, something's gotten the gods annoyed. <laughs> that circle was right, you know, and it all comes back to the working man. <laughs> And last thing, like I said, I, I tell you, Mike, I mean, every time I go to this, the, well, I don't know what they call it now, all guaranteed rate fielders, but I mean, I think about your dad, I think about your family, and I was thinking about Satchel Page. I think September 25th was the anniversary of, he pitched for the athletics at the uh, age of 42 or 43, and you got to win. So give me a couple of Satchel Page stories before we let you go. Satchel Page was gangly. Satchel Page was this kind of beanstalk. But the thing that people don't really realize about Satchel Page is that if you were a child, he was enchanted. And he was very well very well dressed and and, and very well so spoken, but very soft spoken. And he kept a creature in his left jacket pocket, Tom Thumb. And Tom Thumb knew the answer to everything. And if you were a kid Satchel would entertain you for hours with all of these stories because he was the original, you know, rambling man. And 42, hmm, maybe. I always loved Taylor Spink going, you know, he couldn't say to the old man what he really thought. So he said, you're making a travesty of the game by hiring this old guy. Nobody knew how old Satchel was, including Satchel. But what did he go on to do when he was the rookie of the year in Cleveland? He was, I think, four and two and had a, I don't know, two-something ERA. (laughs) He was named to the Major League uh, All-Star team in the American League in 52 and 53 when he was 46 and 47. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. You know, forerunner before Hoyt Wilhelm ever thought of it. How old were you when you first saw him? 
I was seven or eight when yeah. he made his way to uh, our place in Maryland. Yeah, it had to be. And yeah. oh my God, was he entertaining. Yeah, it had to be for a seven or eight year old. Well, Mike, thanks for jumping in. Um, like I said, you've been on my mind a lot. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on, so I really appreciate you taking your time out tonight. And um, best of luck to you down there in, in Charleston, and um, and good luck in uh, in this off season and stuff. Okay, Mike. I appreciate you. all my all my nocturnal journal friends, man. Yeah, you're you're our most regular guest. And go Twins! <laughs> they don't know how good they might be. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks uh, to our hipster, St. Mike Beck. And uh, we'll be back with more Nocturnal Journal after David Jennings and the news.